I didn't think it would take so long to find a job, but between the pandemic and the holidays, I mean, it did. It took a year. Welcome to You Should Write a Book About That. I'm your host, Kim O'Hara, a book coach with a story inside, and I am interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life with a story to tell. Do these folks have a best-selling book in them? Stick around and find out. So women who are killing it in their field are replaced for being too expensive. And my friend Susan Paulson experienced this after being moved from like an unnamed mega shoe chain store to the East Coast from LA as the senior regional director. She had two kids in tow at the time. She had a husband and this job. And then all of a sudden, boom. And so we're going to talk today about how the community rallied around her when that job ended, when that marriage ended, and how she pulled herself up by her bootstraps and now is the regional manager of 180 and growing Starbucks licensed stores. So good to have you, Susan. Good to see you. So, you know, give some advice to people that are being laid off or rejected. How did you not take that personally? You know, it's, it's, it It wasn't the first time you feel like there's a fork in the road and you have to make a tough choice. Uh, There was another large chain I worked for at one point and the job was eliminated. And, you know, at first you take it personally and you think, how could that happen to me? I gave so many years, such hard work, um, won awards, the whole nine yards. And then you realize at the end of the day, when one door closes, another one opens. I mean, every move, every move is big, right? So like now you're, you're in New Jersey, you're gainfully unemployed. You've got the two kids, you've got the big house, right? The marriage ends and you decide to downsize. I did. So how did you stay out of the emotion of that? You know, (laughs) did you have, did you have one messy cry? Tell me you had one messy cry. Okay. True story. I was looking at houses and I went to a house one day and I went with uh, two friends and it was, it was horrible. I was leaving a million dollar brand new construction, five bedroom home, my dream home. And I had come to terms emotionally with the fact that I needed to downsize because I didn't need all that space, the bills. I didn't need it. And I went to look at one house and I came home and I was quasi catatonic. And I looked back at the camera, the Nest camera in the kitchen, and I looked at the video footage of myself, and I literally stood (laughs) in the kitchen waiting for water for my tea in the refrigerator to boil, and you know how it, and then the door, and I stood there, and I looked at the footage in hindsight, and I was like, whoa. So when you say you networked your, you know, ass off to get a job, what did that look like? How did you start? Um... Well, one of my uh, partners at work said, get unemployment. And I was like, what do you mean? I never, never, never considered it. And yet, um, when I went online and I looked at how to get unemployment, which would help you know, pay for groceries, right? It wasn't a lot of money, but it was some money. And what I did was I leveraged their, they have tools that you need to use to document who you're talking to. And actually, hmm. it was a really great way to stay organized so I could remember who I'd spoken to because I was looking at talking to recruiters and, and doing research and understanding where where the jobs, where the growth was in retail. You know, it's 
its home, its beauty, it's the e-commerce trying to now do uh, brick and mortar, Warby Parker, Casper. So I was doing a lot of research and I was talking to a lot of people. And so I needed to keep track of who and what and when uh, and what was the outcome of that conversation. And I upped my LinkedIn membership to premium and I paid for it because then I could look and do research. And so I really, I kept myself very organized, very focused. And I have a big network and I have a great memory. And so staying connected to people, I think over the years um, and having those relationships and being, I think, a good leader and Mm -hmm. maintaining relationships that then yield on the back end when you finally need something. So, I mean, I had numerous people from the shoe company call me looking to get out. I was still advising and counseling and trying to coach and support. So I know that those relationships over the years, you know, the payback is tenfold. If you invest in other people, they, they are there for you and they can be that kind of safety net when you need it. That's amazing. And I find it like fascinating that there's all these like fancy tools that people think they need to go get a job when probably like what they gave you at unemployment was like a spreadsheet that you just literally can't like, like literally Literally a spreadsheet that I printed over and over and over and just kept filling out. And I I want the listeners while they hear this episode to drop into my social or wherever you're listening to this podcast, whatever platform you're on, how you stay positive looking for a job and what were some of the tools you used when you were replaced? It'd be great if we could start a conversation about this. Yes. Because people are really needing some advice. It is really hard and it's lonely. I found two colleagues that I had worked with. One was really like a BFF and he was in Manhattan and he was also looking. And then I had one of my previous colleagues from one of the companies in California who was on the, on the East Coast now and she was looking at the same time. And it was, it was amazing in terms of a support group because mm-hmm. there I had my, I had two people that I respected and really valued. And we were looking in similar yet different fields, if you will. So to be able to speak to, hey, did you see this job? We would flip each other jobs that felt like they were what we were looking for. Uh, One was looking for more high-end luxury, and that's not necessarily something I was looking for. But if I saw something or I knew someone, I was very quick to flip that to him so that he could have eyes on it and make sure he put his name in it. And then we would meet. We would meet and we would do our recognizance. So if I was interviewing with a major brand, I might want to go see some of their locations. So we would, we did some holiday shopping in um, <laughs> a, a huge mall here in New Jersey. And we were able to check out several companies that we were looking at uh, in terms of interviewing and preparing for interviews to understand, you know, what was happening in the store, et cetera. So honestly, the first and foremost is to have a network of people that you can call when you feel down. If you get rejected, uh, there were a lot of companies between the three of us where people just they say ghost you. They don't they don't follow up. You may have interviews. You may never hear anything again, which to me seems like a poor business. That's kind practice. of bad company ethics. I well, think. because you know culture. at the end of the day we're, we're all customers. So you know you you I'm always very cognizant of that experience for anybody I interview. I want it to be good because even if we don't select them as a candidate we're going to move forward with. You obviously Mm -hmm. want them to have a good experience because they're customers. Ultimately, you don't want to leave a bad taste in their mouth because they have friends, they have families, they sit around and drink and talk about what happens. And so anyway, I was very conscientious of it, but having that network 
when I felt bad, I could call and say, oh my God, am I ever going to find a job I love? So having that support system was, uh, you know, there are yeah. no words. It was, it was huge. Yeah. It, was, it was a deal breaker. And because then I went into the holidays and nobody hires during the holidays. Then I come out of the holidays and it's the pandemic. So I was in the final stages of interviewing and then the pandemic struck and everybody pumped the brakes on, you know, extending job offers because they didn't know what the future was going to hold financially for their company, what was viable. And so anyway, it was, um, I think I have a positive attitude anyway. I believe things happen for a reason. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when I thought about what companies culturally would I want to work for, you know, if I, if this is my last kind of chapter uh, where I would like to make a difference and maybe retire from here one day, where's a company where I believe in the foundation and the culture of the company. And I interviewed with, I interviewed with a lot and I considered a lot. I didn't get a couple and I feel like I dodged a bullet. So then I called one of my old district managers and I said, you're at Starbucks. Do you like it? And she was like, oh my God, you will love it. I was scrolling through social media and two hours had gone by. I could have worked on my business, spent time with my kids, or written a chapter of my book. Are you complaining you don't have time to write or support or structure? Head over to my new live class, Own Your Authorship, where in eight weeks, you'll not just uncover your dream book, but find your voice. That's a storyinside.com backslash own dash your dash authorship. And now back to our amazing guest. And I was like, really? Tell me more. So she told me I applied for a job, a DM job, because I didn't care. I didn't care about the title. I didn't need to be a regional director. I needed to be happy and feel like I could make a difference. That was what was important for me. And financially, I'd set myself up to take a pay cut if I needed to, because it was more important for me to be happy and contribute in a meaningful way and make a difference versus money, 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 because money doesn't buy you happiness. No, Um, it doesn't. So I interviewed and then... I saw a regional director job the next day. And so I called the interviewer back and I said, well, I spoke to Sandra, my old DM, and she loves the company, says it's an amazing culture and company. So I'd love to apply for this job I just saw. What do you think? And then he connected me with that recruiter. And she said, I hired Sandra. And I was like, oh, well, she loves it. She's like, what's your, your Susan? And I said, yes, I was her regional director. And she said, you're Susan. And I said, I am Susan. And she said, you're the unicorn. And I said, I'm the unicorn. Um, and, you know, then it was a series of interviews and it happened very quickly. And once it all job. connects, once it all connects, but you've got to do all that. Like, like you said, going to the mall, meeting with your friends, making the lists, reprinting the lists, you know, things are still old school relationships. It's, it's still connecting the dots. And it's like taking the time to really think like, who do I know? Like, who do I know? And this comes up with authors that I work with who are ready to go out and find a publisher and an agent. And I might have a short list to suggest them, but I say to them, I go, you're in your fifties. You've met a lot of people. You were in a sorority. Go to every sorority sister you know who you think wrote a book and ask for an introduction to their agent. That is going to be the fastest track you have. I love that you were in a sorority. That's how I ended up. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. I was. I I live near my one of my one of my BFFs here is my sorority sister, which is why we landed where we did. She has. She was a rock through my divorce with my kids because she's got two older kids. 
when we were in between selling the house and moving out and, and, and closing on the new house, there were 10 days of squishy and we stayed with her. That's amazing. And that's the thing is go to where you've already established these networks and, and we have a lot, a lot more of them. So tell me a little bit, you know, you went into the community and asked for help when you were getting back going on your feet with Starbucks and realized you had, you had the two kids and you had the ex-husband and you had to do this like single parenting thing. What was that like? Did you ask for help or was it more offered to you? Uh, I, I am the kind of person who would mm, primarily rather chew my arm off and ask for help. <laughs> I am proud and independent and I don't really need you, right? But when the job ended and, and at the end of the day, I left the company because I didn't believe in the strategy. And so here I am without a job. I didn't think it would take so long to find a job, but between the pandemic and the holidays, I mean, it did. Mm -hmm. it took a year. But when I was contemplating other companies it, would, it was gonna require a move. And I can move like nobody's business. I can pack up and go tomorrow, no issue. But now I have a son and a daughter and my son in particular, who's 11 going on 12, he was playing um, sports and he was, you know, for him, he's, he's athletic, but it's not so much about club level. It's about playing with his friends. Like he would rather play a rec level to be with his friends than, than go we tried a club level or um, travel level sport that he didn't enjoy as much because he was he didn't know all the children. The long and yeah. short of it is um, the couples that are, you know, comprised of this soccer team in particular, the husbands are construction, they own their own company, landscaper own their own company, painting own their own company, and the wives were amazing. And so when I was considering okay, there's a job in Boston. There's a job they want. They're interested in me for Chicago. There's one in San Francisco. I can go. I've, I can go. It's not a problem. But they were like, we're not going to let you leave. We're going to lay down over the roads. You're not leaving. So there's a whole network here. When I start to have to travel and do any overnight trips, they're like, we got you. Don't worry about it. So mm -hmm. it's definitely That's amazing. Been, they're definitely... Uh, you know, at a moment's notice, I can call, like I had, I had a nanny for a while and she left abruptly homesick and wanted to go back home. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was panicked. And they, the one of his friends, the mom doesn't work. So Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, he goes home with Dylan and she takes both the boys and they do whatever. And, and she has them until I get home from work. There's definitely like a way to do it, you know, like for women you that need, are on their own, you yes. need community, you need you community. Do. You do. So we talk, we talk about writing on this podcast and uh, I know it's hysterical. You're like, I hate to write, but tell me about how important it is though. Like, you know, you agreed to come on the podcast. So obviously you see importance in women telling their story I do. and like, where do you think your wins and your hard knocks can benefit women the most? I think understanding kind of your purpose in life is important. And I, I wanna preface any of this by saying, I, I don't, it's not that I don't like to write. I don't think I'm very good. I'm a verbal person. I'm a storyteller, I'm a comedian, right? I'm funny, right. I can right. find humor in anything because it's kind of a self-preservation mechanism for me to find the humor in things because life is very hard. So for me, I, I know I've got a couple of friends who are really good writers. And even though they've never written anything, when I read whatever it is, a review, a post, 
they are very good writers. And I just don't believe I have that skill. Now, having said that, back to your question, I think you have to know what is your purpose in life. Uh, we went through something at Starbucks and it, it was a whole couple of days of exercises to get to root cause, which is really like, what, what is your purpose? What are you here for? So that you can find happiness and fulfillment. And I know that my purpose in life is to, in fact, encourage, support, and inspire others. That is what I'm here to do. So mm. in my job, I find that. And I, I thought at one point I'd be a child psychologist because for me, it's just all about helping others. That's, that brings me joy, not that necessarily solution oriented, yeah. but like moral support, love, uh, guidance, listening, you know, that to me is why I'm here. And I get that. And I, I think you know, I also surround myself with women and men, but people who are genuine and authentic. I don't have time for fake. I don't waste time on people who are backbiting or backstabbing. I just, I don't. And quite frankly, there's not enough hours in the day to tolerate disingenuine fake people. You know, I spend my time with people who are worthy, um, who, who, who earn my trust and respect and my love. Because I love, I'm a, I'm, I, I love hard, you know, I'm a, yeah. I'm a fun loving person, you know, right? Um, I know, I know, I know. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I do, well, I do think someday you might have a book in you. I, the, the reason why I say that is because there's a lot of people that write books from the upper, upper, upper level, right? So like the Sheryl Sandbergs or like the people like that. And it's a little bit unattainable for someone like myself or you. We're not like the upper echelon, but we're, we work it. We do well. Just to read a book from someone who's like, keep on, keep on. Like some of the nuggets that you've dropped in this interview are like so good for women who are trying to start again. Marriage didn't work out. Got some kids in tow. There's a lot of fun still to be had. There's a lot of life to live. You know, the fifties are just the beginning on a lot of levels, but you're right. Having a forecast of like, okay, I've got maybe 20 years, maybe a little bit less that I'm going to work hard. And maybe where do I want to be? Like yeah. with all my infinite wisdom of what I've done, where do I want to be? Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing. And I really appreciate it. I really yeah. do. It was a pleasure to see you as always. You've been listening to You Should Write a Book About That. If you enjoyed our episode, tell a friend to listen, subscribe or review on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, Spotify, and Pandora, or wherever you listen to podcasts.